For years, Taiwan's de facto embassy in Washington has been called the Taipei Economic and Cultural Representative Office, or TECRO. Now three U.S. lawmakers have reintroduced a bill to change that name to become the Taiwan Representative Office. If passed, the bill will require the Secretary of State to hold talks with Taiwan to discuss the name change. The bill also mentions that the U.S. shouldn't tolerate pressure from China to undermine the sovereignty of the people of Taiwan. A scholar says on Sunday that while the bill's passage is still unknown, its introduction is already a reflection of the Congress's strong support of Taiwan. The Taiwan Policy Act was not able to pass last year, and now they're promoting a part of that act by packaging it under a different bill. Do we really have to see the rectification of the name in the end to consider it a success? Or if we just look at the real strengthening of the Taiwan-U.S. relationship and the greater interactions between our representative offices in a step-by-step -step process, then as you move forward, you have the opportunity to make progress. The fact of the matter is that the name rectification has been under discussion for years. In September 2021, the Financial Times reported that President Joe Biden was seriously considering the proposal to rename TECRO as a Taiwan representative office. Early last year, there was a similar proposal that was initially included in the Taiwan Policy Act, which was sent to Congress. But in the end, the bill never made it to the floor vote due to Chinese intervention. The tabletop war games of the annual Hanguang military drills began on Monday. This phase comprises five days of round-the-clock simulations of possible enemy tactics against Taiwan. It will focus on China's recent encirclement of Taiwan and incorporate lessons from the Russia-Ukraine war. The goal will be to sharpen the battle command skills of military leaders. Sources say the U.S. is paying close attention to this year's games and has sent a group to observe it firsthand. The computerized war games of the 39th Hanguang exercises kicked off on Monday. Over the five days of the drill, the chief of the general staff will direct leaders of the armed forces in round-the-clock exercises. Our exchanges and training programs with the U.S. and our allies are carried out according to our annual plans. The Defense Ministry has not confirmed U.S. participation, but sources say the U.S. Indo-Pacific Command is closely observing the computerized drills and will provide feedback afterward. Through the U.S. observing our exercises, the U.S. and its allies can develop more pragmatic strategies for deterring a Chinese invasion or disruption to the status quo in the Taiwan Strait. Military cooperation between Taiwan and the U.S. will only increase, not decrease. The Hanguang exercises are closely watched amid China's growing threat to Taiwan. Last Sunday, six PLA warplanes and five warships were detected operating in the region. Taiwan monitored the maneuvers with its missile systems. The U.S. has openly confirmed that it will increase the number of staff deployed to assist with training in Taiwan. This advisory team will grow from 30 to 200 troops. The mutual trust between Taiwan and the U.S. is reflected in the Indo-Pacific Defense Coalition of Democratic Nations, particularly among the First Island chain. There is now a crescent-shaped coalition spanning South Korea, Japan, Taiwan and the Philippines, which aims to contain China's military threats. 
The tabletop wargames will focus on tactics used by the PLA during its two recent encirclement drills targeting Taiwan. The games will draw on lessons from the Russia-Ukraine war to enhance command capabilities at all levels in the military. Taiwan is on the brink of completing its first submarine prototype. In a recent interview, the head of CSBC Corporation Taiwan said the sub was in the final stages of assembly. In September, anti-rust and anti-sonar coatings will be applied to the exterior, he said. The vessel will start harbor acceptance tests ahead of schedule at the end of September. Sources say the MIT submarine will be equipped with two powerful weapons. It will carry 18 U.S.-made Mark 48 heavyweight long-range torpedoes. It will also feature an improved model of the submarine-launched Harpoon missiles. With this firepower, the sub is expected to become a strong deterrent to Chinese naval vessels. The 2023 World Health Assembly will take place in Geneva, Switzerland from this Sunday to May 31st. Despite not being invited, Taiwan will be represented by official and unofficial advocacy groups. In a press conference on Monday, one advocacy group announced its game plan for Geneva. Its 22 members plan to hold networking events and a street demonstration. The group will also join the WHO's annual walking event to promote Taiwan's cause. The 76th World Health Assembly starts this Sunday in Geneva, Switzerland. A civilian advocacy group will fly out to Geneva to speak out for Taiwan. We are actually on the front line of the fight for democracy. We're an outpost, so to speak, not only politically, but also when it comes to global health care. It's not only that we need to participate in the WHA. It's that the WHA also needs the Taiwanese perspective. Health Minister Xue will also lead a visiting delegation, a group of 30 people. This is a government-civilian joint effort. The people and the government will work together to enhance Taiwan's visibility. The 22-person advocacy group, which includes several doctors, will depart for Geneva on Thursday. With help from local expats, the group will hold a 300-strong street demonstration. It will also participate in a walking event hosted by the WHO. Meanwhile, a medical group from Taiwan will hold seminars in Geneva, with former Vice President Chen Jianren participating online. There will be a screening of the Taiwanese TV series Hoping, which tells the story of Taiwan's battle with SARS. In the past, we'd have about 100 people from our government and civilian teams, plus at least 200 to 300 people from the local expat community. That's the scale of the street demonstration we're looking at. We will also hold a Taiwan creativity exhibit over there. The group is set to shine a light on Taiwan to let the world see its contributions to global health. A unique artwork has sprung up in a rice field in Hualien. It's the logo of Taiwan Railways Administration cut into the rice. The project is the brainchild of local businessman Lin Jingtang. He wanted to thank TRA for its support for the people of the East Coast after last year's earthquakes in Taitung. For just a couple of months, travelers taking the line down Hualien can enjoy a spectacular seasonal landmark. A plane of rolling fields stretches to the horizon as a train rumbles past. Look closer and you might recognize this logo, painted in purple on the paddy field. It's the familiar sign of the Taiwan Railways Administration. 
to let everyone know that TRA is the only line that will take everyone from Hualien and Taidong home or bring all the travellers from around the world to Hualien and Taidong. I think this is a way for me to give back to my home in Hualien. Lin Jintang is a native of Hualien's Uli Township and runs a business which provides cleaning services to TRA. He conceived this project as a way to say thanks to TRA after it was impacted by the Taidong earthquakes last year. TRA suffered heavy losses to the railway line between Hualien and Taidong, which is used by residents and tourists alike. Painting the rice field involved computerized painting and positioning techniques, as well as traditional methods of seedling transplantation in an extremely elaborate process. After it was leveled, we painted a nine square grid. The nine square was the most traditional seedling planting pattern farmers used in the past. The unique artwork sits beside the track that runs from Uli to Fuli in a field of about half a hectare near the famous Kecheng Bridge. The brilliant red bridge against the lush green field serves as a perfect backdrop for a photo shoot. You can admire the art there from now until mid-June, after which the rice will need to be harvested. This is not the first rice field art in Taiwan, but it is the first time the TRA logo has been celebrated in such a way, especially as a gesture of gratitude from a local. Taipei Veterans General Hospital opened its new Heavy Ion Therapy Center on Monday. This is the first cancer treatment center of its kind in Taiwan and the 14th in the world. Heavy ion therapy is a form of radiotherapy that has shown promise in treating conditions including liver, lung, and prostate cancer. The opening ceremony was attended by President Tsai Ing-wen as well as a 72-year-old liver cancer patient surnamed Tong. President Tsai said the center marked a milestone in Taiwan-Japan medical cooperation as its equipment was purchased from Japan. She said that with the new facility, Taiwan's patients no longer need to travel to Japan for treatment. Taiwan will also be able to welcome more patients from overseas. Taiwan's semiconductor behemoth TSMC is facing a serious talent shortage which could threaten its leading edge in the industry according to the New York Times. The report says that over the past decade, its employee headcount has grown by nearly 70 percent, but Taiwan's birth rate has plummeted. Over the same period, the number of people with master's and doctor degrees have also plummeted by 12% and 20% respectively. The article says that there is not enough talent to meet demand, especially as young people may not be keen on TSMC's demanding work culture. TSMC's business may be booming, but it could still soon face a labor crisis. The New York Times has published a report titled Taiwan is running low on a strategic asset, engineers. It says that a talent shortage could affect TSMC's global lead. The report says TSMC has continued to expand its production capacity, with its number of employees increasing by nearly 70 percent in the past 10 years. In that same time, Taiwan's birth rate has halved. Despite a trend of a declining birth rate and a decline year by year of those who specialize in science and engineering, TSMC still has more pull than small and medium-sized enterprises, which are more worried. Taiwan has seen negative population growth for three consecutive years. 
According to statistics from the Interior Ministry, a decade ago there were 200,000 births per year. Last year there were only 139,000 in a historic low. In terms of talents in science and engineering, there were 82,000 graduates with relevant skills in 2012 and only 65,000 in 2020, a drop of 20%. Masters and PhD students have also dropped 12% and 20% respectively. In addition to Taiwan's declining birth rate, the company faces massive poaching from international companies. Working conditions are also a key factor. The tech industry gives a kind of salary that's on a Taiwan level. Multinationals use global salaries to lure away talent. The pay is several times higher than in Taiwan. The entire tech industry here needs to be on call any time. I joke that the new tech hires with high status will tangibly be much wealthier, but your health is also wealth, and this may not necessarily increase as well. The government in 2021 set up four semiconductor colleges with hopes of strengthening educational resources for this industry. Companies are also cooperating with universities to launch internships, hoping to grab outstanding talents as soon as possible. After all, the chip industry is receiving unprecedented attention worldwide, so talent cultivation for Taiwan is a race against time. Could four-day weekends be the future of work? An online petition for the shorter work week surpassed more than 5,000 signatures on April 26. The government has two months to give a response. On Monday, Vice Premier Tsen Wen-chan said that global trends would be assessed before drafting a reply. He made a point of saying that so far, no country in Asia had introduced such a policy. One private company, the publishing firm BookLife, adopted the four-day workweek on its own in 2013. The company says that results were good and that productivity stayed the same after the switch. The president of Suchow University says he supports the four-day workweek and would be happy to implement it if relevant regulations were amended. Get ready, explorers. The first Tourism Spotlight Award is live and ready for your votes. From now to June 30th, you can vote six times a day for your favorite tourist spots in Taiwan. 18 winners will be crowned and showcased to the world at the Overseas Travel Exhibitions. Ober, the tourism mascot, takes to the stage in a vigorous charm offensive. To drive more domestic and international tourism, Taiwan is hosting the first ever Tourism Spotlight Award. 42 institutions and 123 scenic spots and experiences were entered into this competition, spanning three categories, ecotourism, cultural tourism, and lohas, or health and sustainability. Online voting open to the public today. There are no boring tourist attractions, only people who don't know how to enjoy them. I think that this will drive local innovation and a local revival. I've always been optimistic about Taiwan tourism. Each day, every person gets six votes, log in with LINE to participate, and every vote you cast provides a chance to win a raffle. Voting ends on June 30th, and 18 winners will be unveiled. Travel agencies will be able to market these winners. Besides that, we will showcase
showcase these attractions and activities at overseas tourism expos. We also plan to invite foreign journalists and travel agencies to visit the winners. Our goal is to showcase Taiwan's beauty to the world. During the worst of the pandemic, many attractions used the downtime to upgrade or optimize their infrastructure. In this inaugural Tourism Spotlight Award, Taiwan aims to uncover new tourism gems for domestic and international visitors. We're hearing a lot these days about rising inflation and wages not keeping up with the cost of living. But what about freelance workers who don't have any stable salary at all? Today, we take a look at how one freelance writer is making a living in this wobbly economy. Zheng Mingzhi is a literature graduate and novelist. She works as a freelance teacher and also writes the plots for video games. By taking on a variety of projects, she earns upward of 50000 a month. But she says a freelance career can be extremely stressful and it's hard to save money. Thirty-year-old Zheng Mingzhi is a writer. She's been working freelance for five years now. She spends about half her time teaching online, and the other half writing the plots of video games. She designs everything, from the characters' personalities to their lines. She took part in two very famous games' construction, and typically spends 40 to 50 hours on each project. At the same time, she spends 4 to 8 hours a week teaching online. About 50% of my income comes from games, and 40 to 50% from teaching. When I started writing games, I earned about 5000 a month from it. That crept up and up over time, to 20000 NT or 30000 NT, and now it can be 40000 NT. As a freelancer, Zheng has a lot of flexibility in arranging her schedule. Games and teaching earn her between 40,000 and 50,000 NT a month. Sometimes she also takes on commercial copywriting cases and altogether earns up to 60,000 NT a month. Her biggest earning project brought in a tidy six-figure sum. Working freelance means you have to be responsible for all your own equipment and costs. It can feel extremely stressful. I'm working hard to save 10,000 NT. Part of it is I'm living with my parents and I contribute to their bills, just a small token amount. As a graduate of National Chenggong University's Department of Taiwanese Literature, Zheng has also published five novels. Then she worked as a personal assistant at an international corporation, but her salary there was just 24,000 NT a month. The high-stress environment also caused her health problems, so she quit that job and decided to find her own way as a freelancer. My income is quite good right now, but I have to take on another project in order to be more able to make ends meet. With inflation rising, living expenses are very high. Zheng supports herself by taking up jobs of several kinds and hopes that by diversifying her income streams, she can develop more financial stability. As inflation soars, the price of eating out is creeping up. Restaurants across Taiwan are reluctantly raising prices but many favorite local eateries are still going strong, especially when they count on personal connections with their customers. Today, we meet Mr. Huang, who runs a fried rice restaurant in Taipei. On the wall of his joint are more than 500 variations on fried rice. Customers complain that endless menu gives them decision paralysis, 
but something about the chef's warm and efficient service keeps them coming back for more. Mr. Huang cracks an egg into the pan, adds crab meat and stirs furiously. Last in is the rice. He serves up 250 bowls of fried rice every day. He doesn't even need to look up as he reaches for the sauces by muscle memory. <laughs> this fried rice joint in a Taipei alleyway has been in business for 34 years. Every day at lunch a crowd gathers, but lots of people are stumped by the menu. There are more than 500 variations on fried rice listed, too many to fit on the wall. The options include every possible combination of garlic, tomatoes, peppers and pork liver. The last time I came, I was just choosing my order for 10 minutes, standing there thinking. I spent a long time thinking, 7 or 8 minutes. I started with about 30 basic choices. Over time, people would ask, can you add this or add that? I'd say, of course. And gradually, it got more and more customized. Some customers have begged Huang for a quick menu of favorite choices to save them from decision paralysis. He can cook the meal much faster than they can choose. It was a bit of a muddle at first. I would miss things out as I took the order. I would miss things out as I took the order or as I grabbed the different ingredients for the pan. Some customers don't speak very clearly and we miss something. Creating such a customizable menu was a steep learning curve, requiring lots of concentration at first. Recently, with inflation as high as it is, Huang has had to raise prices, but he hopes his warm and personalised service will keep customers close by.